The iPhone 15 Pro Max is the biggest iPhone camera improvement that I can remember. Apple's doubled the resolution of its photos, improved both the night mode and the portrait mode, all while addressing two of their biggest weaknesses. They've upgraded their optical zoom camera from 3x zoom to 5x zoom and increased dynamic range, the ability to make sure that everything is correctly exposed in an image. But then it's very easy to say, well, this iPhone is better than the last iPhone. The best way to actually gauge that progress is to see if it can actually beat the competition. So I've taken and analyzed over 500 photos and videos across both the iPhone 15 Pro Max and the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra, which is the most popular alternative and the one that you guys have voted for as the camera to beat. And within these 10 categories, each getting more important as we go, I think we finally have an overall winner. Starting with the front cameras, which is probably the area that the iPhone has least improved on over the years. But still, one thing that you do notice is this newfound focus on skin tones. It's one of those things that you don't fully appreciate until you see the side-by-sides, where the Samsung shot in isolation looks right-ish. But then you see the iPhone one and you realize, oh yeah, my shirt was that color. And yeah, the boat was like that. And of course, my hair is black for now. <laughs> But then at the same time, I do think the iPhone is severely in need of a hardware upgrade. Samsung has invested a lot into their selfie camera and you can tell. You get more natural background blur in the images and quite often some extra sharpness too. Plus I also think Samsung just takes more flattering photos across all cameras, which is not necessarily what you want. Let's say I'm taking a photo of you and you're that far away from me, but a selfie, if you think about it, is a very intimate photo. You're very up close with your phone. And so I think for those shots, most people would prefer the subtle brightening and smoothing that Samsung does to make you look good because the iPhone really does expose your flaws. But if you have any dreams of vlogging, then the iPhone does take it in terms of video on the selfie camera. Not because the Samsung's bad, it's actually improved a lot in the last few generations, but it's just the iPhone's high dynamic range is a little bit better and it's also just much more resistant to grain. I think if you get into really dark areas, Samsung can get very grainy very quickly. Now, one of the new things quite literally on the table for the iPhone 15 Pro Max is zoom. This is the first iPhone that I would actually say is a good option for trying to shoot the moon or take out to a concert. I was actually scrambling to get some tickets to go and see Rick Astley live and test that theory. But since I couldn't, I decided to make Rick Astley at home. Too much smoke here. This is our simulation of a concert and what that would look like on both phones. And see, Zoom is a complicated one because both of these phones go about Zoom in a very different way. The iPhone has a single five times optical zoom lens. The Samsung has both a three times and a 10 times optical zoom lens. And so you end up in this very funny situation in which both look very similar at one time. Samsung looks better between three times and five times. In that middle ground after Samsung's first optical zoom is activated, but before Apple's has. Then as you hit 5X, Apple looks better with not just more detail, but in a lot of cases more background blur too, because it is a good quality 5X lens. And then as you get to 10X, Samsung takes over again. But it's close this time. Samsung's definitely not twice as good like the magnification number might suggest. But here's the thing. As soon as you switch over to video, the iPhone wins at every single magnification. Even those points where Samsung technically has the edge in terms of its hardware. It's a product of the fact that this iPhone is the best iPhone for video ever, with the fact that Samsung phones in particular are quite sensitive to grain. There are times where it will shoot better zoomed content. It's just that a lot of things have to go its way for that to be the case. More often than not with max zoom photos, Samsung is better, but it's not always the case. Sometimes it's ambiguous and sometimes the iPhone takes it since its zoom camera has a much wider aperture that lets in more light. So on balance, I think Apple has earned themselves a draw in zoom for the first time in a long time. Something I think is often underappreciated, but still very important to the overall camera experience is the camera apps. So who does it better? Well, 
I've always found Samsung's camera to be more fun. It's historically been well ahead in terms of just the number of things you can do with it versus the iPhone. And that's still kind of the case. You've still got food mode, which makes your food look richer and tastier, and single take, which is this idea of taking one 10 second clip and getting a whole load of different shot options out of it. But I do want to caveat that by saying that from the fun perspective, I don't think Samsung has kept up with other Android manufacturers who've come up with so many interesting experimental options. And then from the practical perspective, it's starting to feel a little dated versus the iPhone. One, because of the shutter lag. It takes not as long as it used to, but still noticeably longer than the iPhone to capture. Almost like it's having a little think about it every time. You can on the Samsung also install this separate app called Camera Assistant, which has an option to boost shutter speed, but I don't use it because it does come at the cost of quality. The transition between lenses still feels clunky in that it's not immediate and does also introduce noticeable slowdown, which feels like it's on full show in this comparison because of how smooth those transitions now are on the iPhone 15. And then also, while Samsung does have a lot of modes, which on their own are all individually cool, I do think that the feature of the smartphone camera is more integration. Like, less you having to think, oh, this is food, let me navigate to food mode, and more just your phone knowing that and doing it for you. And also, the Samsung is a very two-handed camera experience. Because all the controls are at the top, it's just not simple to change them all with the same hand that's about to take the photo. Now, the iPhone is not a perfect experience either. It could also do with an injection of creativity. Plus, in the pursuit of trying to tuck every single eyesore away and only trying to show you what you need to see at any one time, you will spend a lot of time gesturing to adjust things. And sometimes those gestures can overlap with each other. It can feel fiddly, but on balance between the two, I do prefer using the camera app on 15 Pro Max. The new iPhone does also have this new action button, which can get into the camera quickly and get shooting straight away. But assuming that you're using your phone for normal photos in an upright position, it's not really any faster than Samsung's double tap and then using the volume down to actually take the photo. So we can pretty much just disregard that. Okay, we're pretty even in terms of score so far, but moving up in terms of the order of importance, let's talk about audio. So right now you're listening to me on the iPhone. I'm in a pretty quiet space and you can absolutely tell. Now shifting over to the Samsung, again, it just sounds really good. Both of these phones are very well equipped to pick up good sound from all directions. It's only as the level of background noise increases, that's when they start to diverge. So right now you're listening on the iPhone and as you can probably tell, very little is filtered out. Like you're very much hearing the background noise. But the upside of that is that it's not interfering with the quality of my voice. There's still that sort of natural richness to it. With the Samsung though, the background noise is way reduced. It's just that in the process of trying to chop out the background noise, you also lose a lot of the lower tones within your voice. So a little bit of the fullness is gone, but there's no real right or wrong here. There's just two different ways of doing things. Okay, I love portrait mode. Anytime I'm taking a shot that I feel like I'm going to want to print out or post somewhere, it just feels right to use it, since it's a one-click way of doubling the production value of a shot. And with the iPhone 15 Pro Max, Apple has introduced both two massive perks and one massive con to this. The con is that the three times optical zoom lens that we used to have, and the three times zoom lens that Samsung still has, is, I would say, the best balance between being a flattering angle, i.e. keeping you far enough away from the subject that the shot doesn't look like it has a fisheye effect on it, but close enough that you're not having to leave the chair you're sitting in just to take it. And if we left it there, Samsung would be a bit of a no-brainer. Samsung's portraits are punchy, in a nice way. The edge detection is really strong, and that 3X lens is just convenient. But then there's those important perks that this new iPhone has. One, that you now don't need to specifically go into portrait mode to take a portrait. You just take a normal photo of a person, and then afterwards you can apply portrait mode if it feels right. Now, lesser known, but Samsung can actually do this too. But since there's no depth information in the shot, 
what you can't do is refocus on, let's say, something in the background. And then the second thing, which is really hard to ignore, is that if you take portraits using the one times main camera, Apple will shoot those portraits in 24 megapixels, two times the resolution. And when something like that exists as an option, it becomes much harder to justify Samsung's 12 megapixel portraits, even if stylistically I prefer them. So we'll call this one a draw. And now, just before the big three categories, let's run over special features, which is basically cinematic mode, slow-mo, and macro mode. Both phone cinematic modes have come a long way since the features first debuted, which I was quite surprised to see on the Samsung since the company is historically weaker when it comes to video, and also just never really talks about this feature, whereas Apple goes on about cinematic video a lot. Then you've got slow-mo, which is ironically also improving in slow motion. Every year getting a tiny bit better as phones let in a little bit more light and have slightly better sensors, but honestly, if only the tiniest bit of effort was put into it, with the amount of computational power on these phones right now, it could be something quite special. Do you know what? I'm just gonna keep featuring slow motion in these tests, just in protest, because I just think it's wrong that it doesn't get more support. I'd say Samsung takes it slightly, just in the sense that it has 960 FPS super slow-mo at the hit of a bit more quality, if you fancy doing that. Macro mode, on the other hand, is getting attention, and it's great. I have to say I don't use it very often, but both iPhone and Samsung are very equally capable at it, just with different styles. The iPhone can technically get closer, and it kind of leaves objects looking a bit more natural, which is a bit less striking, but easier on the eyes. Meanwhile, Samsung processes very heavily, adding in a lot of sharpness to these macro shots, which you might like, you might find offensive. All of this is to say that for all of these special features, both phones can do them. But I'll give the category to Samsung just because of that slight edge in slow-mo. But currently, Apple is beating Samsung, just like they're absolutely whipping us in the subscriber race. But when we overtake them, mark my words, I will build the biggest iPhone the world has ever seen. So a sub to the channel would be shutterly brilliant. Right, let's talk about video. Video is a category that used to be a no-brainer for the iPhone. And it's only actually since the S23 Ultra that I've even had to think about it. And you know what? Samsung's video HDR is way better than it used to be. And a lot of cases, better than the iPhone. Like if you look here, can you see how that building is really washed out on the iPhone, but you can see it clearly here? Or like here, when I enter this cave, Samsung is able to retain the sky behind me in the way that Apple just can't. But there's four things in the iPhone's court, and they're four very important things. Look a little closer, and you'll see that the detail is higher. Even though both are filming in 4K resolution, Samsung is not quite using all of that resolution. It's close, but there's a difference. Like you'll see it if you look at my beard in this shot. Samsung sometimes misses the mark with skin tones. These new iPhone 15s in particular, it feels like they're able to just latch onto what someone actually looks like and just hold it, no matter how much the scene is changing around them. Whereas it feels like Samsung is tweaking colors based on the scene. There's both phones action mode slash super steady, which are specific ultra stabilized videos that come at the slight cost of quality. There's actually another example of a phone feature that I think should just become integrated. Like the phone should be able to detect when you're moving fast enough that you need it and just switch to it. But for the time being going into this mode, the iPhone is the only one recording a clip that you might actually want to use somewhere. This is too much of a quality hit. But I would say the biggest thing is just Samsung's grain in low light. It's enough to cripple footage that apart from that grain, honestly, would be a strong contender for best smartphone video out there. But it's just a pretty severe Achilles heel to have against something that Apple has specifically worked on to address on their new phone. They're saying that the A17 Pro chip inside the iPhone 15 is what allows an extra layer of noise removal. And yet some of these yearly camera improvements that you see, they end up being negligible. But this, this you can tell. I mean, in this scene, it was so dark, I couldn't even see where I was going. But that's kind of wild that both of these phones can. Although the iPhone with a significant amount more clarity. 
and this is also true for photos in lower light. Now, this is not as much of a blanket win as video is, because the Samsung doesn't have that noise problem in photos. And in a lot of those middle lighting conditions, even though the phone has more shutter lag, I actually find that it's much easier to blur a photo on the iPhone. Something within Samsung's image processing does a very good job at recovering from those slight hand spasms. But assuming that you are holding the phone steady, there's three things that have improved on the iPhone since last time here. First is the smart HDR, which helps a lot in night scenes because they tend to be the ones that have to balance out really bright spots within generally dark images. And to be honest, I wouldn't say that the HDR is now outright better than Samsung, but it used to be noticeably behind, it's not anymore. And there's a couple of times where I've noticed something really clever going on, which I will show you with a shot of the Microsoft Store. I took this because this is one of the most complex, challenging lighting scenarios that you could possibly conjure up. It's got a mixture of warm light on the outside, cool light on the inside, and the inside of the building is brighter than the outside. Anyway, the Smart HDR on the iPhone has factored in all of this, and it's represented the image in a way that when I took it, and I was looking between the iPhone screen and the Microsoft Store behind, felt like it was spot on. But then what it feels like Samsung has done is tweaked its overall white balance using an average of the image as a whole. And by doing so, you'll notice that everything on the inside, including the Microsoft logo, has a slight blue tinge over it, and that everything on the outside, a slight red tinge that wasn't actually there in real life. The second thing is the resolution. So long as you're taking a normal photo on the iPhone and night mode doesn't activate, which it doesn't seem to now until you get very dark, you're taking a 24 megapixel shot compared to 12 on the S23. Now to make one thing clear, the end result is not as different as that number might make it sound because really in a lower light environment, no phone today can properly use 24 megapixels of resolution. But you know, peek into the windows of a shop or a bright street lamp and the difference is also not subtle. And then the final tool that Apple has is when night mode does activate, while you do lose that 24 megapixel resolution, you gain, Photonic Engine, which is basically Apple speak for tweak the colors and increase the detail. The thing is though, never are those things more important than when it gets really dark. It means you'll see more stars in the sky, you'll see your objects rendered with more clarity, you'll see grass and trees looking green as they should and not red. If at any point you think that these images are doing a bad job, by the way, just bear in mind at this point, my eyes could see nothing. So they're both pretty good. So what about daytime? Daytime photos is the single most important category for most people. And you know how I said that at nighttime, the iPhone struggles to take advantage of the full 24 megapixel? Well, that's not the case anymore during the day. And it's almost a bit weird that in 2023, it comes down to megapixels. But this one thing really does just completely take the wind out of Samsung sales. Because yeah, you still get the usual differences in style. Samsung is more poppy, it's larger than life, it's sometimes a little too much and your face looks like a tomato. But then the upside of that is that it never under delivers on warmth. So in situations where you really need it, it's better than the iPhone. iPhone largely leaves faces alone, Samsung gets involved and smooths things out. It's very hard to label either style as better or worse. My preference literally shifts from photo to photo. And both are now very well matched in terms of their ability to cope with challenging lighting and so on. But what is measurably better is having two times the amount of pixels to work with. Pretty much any time you zoom into a daytime shot, which you might do for a number of reasons, you might wanna print it out and frame it, you might wanna crop into it because you only like a certain part of it, you can tell the difference. You definitely still have to be looking for it, but if you are, you will find it. And we should clarify something important here. The Samsung has a 200 megapixel camera that does count for something. It means that when you really want detail, 
you have access to it. But I don't think many people will use the 200 megapixel mode. It takes far longer to capture, the photos take up 10 times more space, you have to turn off portrait mode and the ability to capture a motion photo, your dynamic range suffers, and your ability to shoot in low light falls. Not to mention the processing time is ludicrous. And then even if you forewent all of that, the iPhone also has a high res mode. It's only 48 megapixel, but the end level of detail is very similar to Samsung's 200. Samsung's is a little better if you have lots of light, but then the iPhone's high res mode overtakes it a bit as the light starts to dip. I think both of these phones' super high res modes are off the table for most people. And what's important about the new iPhone's 24 megapixel mode is that it's the default option and that it comes with no extra compromise. Now, that advantage disappears when using the ultra-wide cameras, since both phones are using standard 12 megapixel sensors, and also the zoom as we've talked about. But assuming that you spend the vast majority of your time on the main camera, this is a big step forward with the iPhone that I'm hoping Samsung will be able to replicate with their next phone in 2024. Do remember that some categories are worth more than others, so even though this is a 6.5 to 3.5 to the iPhone, consider the things that are specifically important to you. But yes, if you point blank asked me which of these two cameras is better, I would tell you the iPhone 15 Pro Max. Now, I've got one more thing to show you, which is kind of perfect for the iPhone. You might remember that last year, I showed you the Casetify Bounce Case, which has six times the military-grade level of drop protection. The way it works is this EcoShock material. You can see here, this thing absorbs all impact and sudden shocks compared to this competitor block that they sent me where the ball just bounces off. But if that's not enough, I find this so insane, this is the Ultra Bounce, their newest phone case. It has even more protection for your camera with this integrated lens protector, six layers of padding and ultra reinforced corners, giving this 10 times military grade protection. It's so much protection that, let's be very clear, not everyone needs this. But what I like about Casetify is that you can decide. You can decide how much protection you need, the base color of each part, as well as exactly where you want to take the design from there. Like a personalized collage if you're so inclined. So if you head to my description box and click the link casetify.com slash Mr. Who's the Boss, I've managed to get us 15% off any orders placed.